This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast is brought to you by Shiny Side Up. Join the Shiny Side Up team for a very special live stream event on the 10th of April for a chance to win your share of over $8,000 worth of prizes. We'll be joined by some awesome local and international motorcycling experts such as Chaotic Blonde, Sam McCafferty, Andrew Stroud, Kevin Williams, Dr. Chris Huron, Jay Reeve, and Charlie Borman. Shiny Side Up Online, April 10th, 2022. Proudly brought to you by Ride Forever, ACC, Waka Kotahi New Zealand Transport Agency, and MSAC. For more information, check out the Shiny Side Up Facebook page or shinysideup.co.nz. And thanks for supporting Kiwi Rider Podcast. Welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name's Ray Heron. Great to have you along. Thank you very much for joining me. If this is your first time joining me, then great to have you along. Hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with a riding buddy of yours. Later in the show, we've got the return of real Kiwi riders. We're going to be catching up with Paratini, also known as Slam, and talking, I think, a little bit of motorcycling Kai. Uh, also, we're going to catch up with Matthew Day Gillett and talk moto camping. Matt and I got away for a bit of a trip over the weekend with some mates. It was a, a brilliant, spoiler alert, it was a brilliant trip. But before we go any further, let's get into the news. Kicking off our news this episode, KTM and Barabbas team up with Barabbas 1300R. Two of the biggest names in the More Power is Good Power game have teamed up to bring new life to a new name in the motorcycle world. KTM and German tuning house Barabbas have joined forces to bring to life the first Barabbas motorcycle, the Barabbas 1300R. For those not quite in the know, German company Barabbas is more commonly known as tuners of utterly insane Mercedes-Benz products and is the second largest tuner of the German mark after Mercedes-Benz own AMG. So when it came to putting their name on a motorcycle, there was no better company to team up with than KTM in neighbouring Austria. The collaboration between KTM and Barabbas aims to put products at the high end of the premium motorcycle market and the resulting Barabbas 1300R is one hell of a first offering. Powered by the 1301cc KTM LC8 V-Twin, the 1300R puts down a meaty 180 horsepower, backed by 140 newton meters of torque. While the chassis makes use of the usual premium componentry suspects, including WP suspension and Brembo brakes. Styling is where Barabbas outshines the likes of the KTM Super Duke R Evo, on which it is loosely based. However, the bike looks gorgeous with its flowing lines and restricted use of angles and swathes of carbon fibre in use. Up front is a classic circular headlight that is embedded with an aerodynamic headlight mask to ensure maximum airflow over the engine's airbox. The bodywork has plenty of exposed carbon fibre to keep things light and strong, while the signature Barabbas monoblock Z9 spoked wheels have uh, also been integrated into the Barabbas 1300R's exceedingly sporty design as a direct link to the Mercedes supercars Barabbas are known for. In terms of luxury, the 1300R sports a heated seat and heated grips, while the CNC machined foot controls have 12 positions of adjustability. Being based on a KTM, the 1300R is bestowed with the latest in rider aids, including multiple rider modes, electronically adjustable WP Apex suspension, and a crystal clear 5-inch TFT display to keep the rider informed. There are only 154 examples of the Barabbas 1300R going to be produced, so while pricing is yet to be announced, you can guarantee it will hold a premium over the KTM Super Duke R. More photos and all the information you need to know on the Barabbas 1300R is up at onthrottle.co.nz. Real. 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 Kiwi Riders. Real. Real. Kiwi Riders. Real Kiwi Riders. And continuing our series of Real Kiwi Riders, uh, we've got Slam on the line. Uh, people call you Slam, right? Sure, right. Yes, indeed. Yes. Sometimes my Māori name uh, 
it's a bit of a tongue twister, but it's Paratini Johnson. Yeah, but Slam for short uh, is, is my road name. Yeah. Love it. It's nice and easy to remember as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I put yes. something on a, on a few Facebook pages and I said, I want to hear from people from real Kiwi riders. And you put your hand up and said, yep, I'm a real Kiwi rider and I've got a story to tell. So here we are. Uh, how long have you been riding? What do you ride? Okay, Ray. Well, I've been riding for over 30 years. Okay, um, the passion has been uh, part of me from a young age uh, on the farm, dirt bikes. Okay, and, and you know, went into um, the bigger beast, um, watching uncles, uh, my father, a rider, riding big beast Harleys, uh, Indian motorcycles, um, you know, and watching them ride and in their groups uh, was kind of a, a pushing point for myself growing up. Um, in my stable at the moment, I have a, a HD Harley Davidson uh, Heritage uh, 06 Heritage, uh, also a Suzuki uh, Boulevard M109. That's a Jap Cruiser, and also pending uh, waiting because of a new, um, USA shipping rights. I'm just waiting on a uh, Indian Dark Horse uh, Road Master for my touring. So I can get, a, get get around to the South Island. Yeah, um, it's supposed to be here late last year, and I was trying to get it before the Burt Monroe and for February, but that's been cancelled. So everything's on the back burner at the moment for that bike. But hey, you know, good things come to Rosie Wade, you know? Yeah. yeah and that's the story for pretty much everyone at the moment, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everything's COVID's put in pay to pretty much everything at the moment. Oh, tell me about it, mate. Tell me about it. Especially when we, you know, with the borderline restrictions, we're based in Auckland and just trying to get out, like into the Waikato, you know, and um, or even up north. You know, it's been really, really, um, really hard times. But now that the traffic light has, uh, system has given us a bit of guidance of what we can and cannot do, you know, uh, that's the new norm moving forward. Mm, mm. Mm. And you've got a bit of a sideline going on, a bit, a bit of a ride in Kai, I understand. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll, thank you for bringing it up. Now, ride in Kai is my little sole uh, trader business. I've got a page on Facebook. Please look me up, ride in Kai. And what happens here, I get a, a group of whānau friends, you know, I put posts up, let's go for a ride, and we just hit hit the wind. Okay, it could be in any direction, uh, north, south, east and west, and we go searching for the best burgers, or kai carts, or hidden gems. You know, who's got the best takeaways, the best fish and chips, you know, and um, we do food reviews, and we bring business to our small businesses being affected by COVID, or in the wop wops you know um off the beaten track now that we've got the new uh Fremont express highways in play you know a lot of townships huntley for example is one of them pukano i do, I do like cream. a bit of uh, a bit of kai myself oh um, okay uh what's some of the what's some of the standouts you've had so far oh, i'll be putting you on the spot here no problem, no problem. So we're based in Auckland, and our our normal fortnightly runs we do uh, in Auckland, we do uh, around the block. We call that um, around the motorway circuit. So it could start from South Auckland anywhere and go all the way out West Auckland over to the North Shore and then back around into the city. And we love to promote the White Lady. Oh okay. yes, I think I've heard of the White Lady. Yes, they've been there for a few few years, over eighty years. It's a kai cart on at the bottom of Queen Street and Ford Street. And their burgers are like wow. Like yeah, is there a particular one you go for? Definitely the um the Auckland burger. Um, that's quite huge, quite massive, like all over your face. Like you know, you can just try and get your mitts around it, but it's a real bikey's burger. And a lot of a lot of the Farno and and friends and family, uh, we can pack up fifty bikes easy uh and on on the street there next to the caravan, a sight to see, and of course the roaring thunder. It goes hand in hand with a good kai, and um, this is one of the events we do on a fortnightly basis. So the out of town ones are really well too. Um, you know, when we go out to our Fata Fata, which is the backyard bar, where we can actually ride our bikes into the venue, like right, right in, yeah, and that's on the way to Raglan Fata Fata. Yep, yeah, so there's yep. it, it, a lot of places. We got the Waikino um, Hotel that's going towards uh, Waihi. This one from Pidal, they have some beautiful, beautiful burgers. Very nice in the gorge, uh, Karangahake Gorge. Hmm. 
but I don't tell you what. There's two places yeah. that stand out for me. Uh, yeah. One's nowhere near you. One's down near um, ne- down near Nelson. But oh. if you're ever um, just south of Nelson, there's a wee, wee township called Wakefield, uh, yes. and it's the bakery at Wakefield. They do the best chicken pie I have had this year. Oh, cut it out! Cut it out! I'd like to. You, you send me the link. I want to head this place up. Um, that's definitely a South Island tour we, we must indulge in. Um, and the the other one that um, stands out is a little bit closer to you, actually. Have you mm-hmm. ever done the uh, Forgotten World Highway? Absolutely. Whangamomona, yeah. Whangamomona. That's where I stopped in and I got, uh, I think it was a venison burger. That oh. was the beautiful, that was the best thing for lunch that day. Yeah, no, totally. Especially if you're doing that, um, you know, the gravel road experience, you know, and um, doing the loop, beautiful. There's, there's other little hidden gems around too, you know, and uh, the list goes on. But it's just documenting it, uh, you know, giving reviews, you know, uh, bringing business to those small uh, townships and small areas, you know, and of course, you know, um, surrounding yourself with fellow riders, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah, and exactly. people with passion of, of their machines. And that, uh, we call it whanaungatanga, you know, that um, guardianship, you know, that relationship, you know, we're strangers, but what brings us together is our machines, you know, N- not really worried about what you ride, you know, or, or the brand. It's getting up there and, and you know, really um, touching base with nature, you know. Let, let the road and the wind take you, you know. It's um, uh, wind therapy, we call it. And, um, you know, if you can bring good company at the same time into it, food speaks volumes in, in my culture. So, you know, we love our kai, as you do, Ray. And, um, you know, it's, it's all a, a bonus, a plus, you know. It's um, something good, you know, and um, that's what writing – the culture of riding in New Zealand, that's what it brings us together. And uh, it's different than jumping in a, into a cage or four wheels where, um, yeah, the feeling's not not all there. But um, we always had to start from somewhere. You know, um, especially if we break down, we end up back in the cage again. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, um, cast your mind back. What's, what's a ride or an adventure or a, a trip that really stands out for you? Tell me all about it. Oh, would be probably uh, early days um, in the 2000s, maybe earlier, uh, from Auckland to Invercargill or to the Bluff in the Burt Munro. Um, long trip, 1500 Ks. Burt Munro back then uh, would have been held in October, November. So there was a lot of black ice on the road. We hit the West Coast. Once we hit the South Island, we hit the West Coast and we did a big, big loop. And after the event, we came up to Catlins, um, come up the eastern side. So uh, it was really those uh, timestamps. Um, there was a lot of um, accidents, you know, which we um, couldn't be avoided because of the black ice and, and the weather. Um, so we moved the event later on, I think, um, around through February, which was more warmer climates. And, um, yeah, you know, when, they, when, when organisers are holding events, they want – participants and people traveling from afar to make the event not have an accident beforehand so it's great that they identified it and brought it back around uh those are the big big tours i'm talking about especially from the north island uh, and you don't want to you want to give yourself some time you know to explore to stop sightsee you don't want to be cruising past it and missing all that you know that, that scenery we have in um, aotearoa in new zealand especially the south island the west coast run uh, is amazing you know, and if um, anyone's taking their tour, please stop sightsee. You know, have a coffee. Um, you know, grab grab a snack or or a kai along the way. Um, you know, we have some of the you know beautiful uh, sightseeing uh, venues in New Zealand, and the South Island you know is uh, accustomed to it, so it's great. I'm guilty of doing that. I'm blasting straight through because you're having such a great time mm, uh, mm, on the yes. ride, but then you, yeah. you get to where you've been, where you're going, and you go, Oh, hang on, I didn't stop and, and, and you know, look at anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm guilty too, right? I'm guilty too. And, and then I realized, um, you know, going, Oh, you know, I will stop there next time, you know. So it's about, you know, uh, return business, you know, and, and returning again. The more times you do it, the more times you're familiar. You know, you meet locals, you meet people along the way. And that's the Kiwi story story there, you know. It's always about connecting, meeting people, you know, meeting new people. You know, um, if we hit the West Coast and, and, and we come down to, you know, to Wanaka, Queenstown, Ferg Burger. Oh, amazing place, you know. Ferg Burger, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, and um, you know, we shoot up to Invercargill, you know. No, there's a delicacy there, but also the bluff oyster. You can't go past the bluff, you know. 
And Tell you what, if you're next time you're in a Vicargo, go down. Uh, oh, I can't remember what road it is. It's the road that meets D's. Oh, the road that goes from Dunedin to Invercargill. When you get into Invercargill, that uh, road. Tweed Street. Uh, yeah. Tweed, it's the one. Tweed you're Street, not, yes. You're not far from the end of Tweed Street. On mm-hmm. the right-hand side, as you're looking south, mm-hmm. there's a little cafe called Zookeepers. They used to do the yes. best South Island or Southern cheese roll in town. Yeah, they call them mousetraps. Yeah, down there. Yeah, I know, I know Zookeepers quite well. It's, um, it's right in, in, in the city CBD. If you come back um, probably two blocks there, Ray, there's a bakery there just before the countdown, or just after the countdown, sorry, called Fat Bastards. Now, excuse my language, it's nothing to do, nothing prerogative, but it speaks volumes, and they had the best seafood pie. Their pastries are amazing. Did yeah, that they're... used to be known as, as TSS or uh, did they have another name? Um, not possibly. I think the building might have been there, but when it got renovated back, I believe, in the 2000s, um, mid-2000s, um, it turned into uh, a bakery. And right next door is the Blue Star Taxi Stand and, um, and Countdown's right there. They're across the road from the BP station. And um, they've been winning awards, um, pie awards throughout New Zealand. They're entering pie awards and taking out a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, awards uh, for their um, for their menu. So it's, that's one, yeah, that's one of my um, places. I'll go to places within in the cargo. Also, King's Fishery, which is straight down the road. King's, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, that's straight down the road uh, where the railway tracks are. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, you know they have well anything Southland you want. That's your go-to place, you know. Um, it's really nice. Big Willies is another place uh, for a nice cold Big Willie Rustlers. It's the one in the yeah, Newfield. Man, you st- yeah. Can you still cook your own steak there? Absolutely. That, that's what it's famous for. So you pay somebody, uh, you pay somebody else to cook your, and you have to cook your own steak. So um, yeah. I love that through motorcycling, <laughs> you and I, living in the North Island, can have a conversation about the local delicacies in Invercargill. Isn't oh, that just brilliant? Absolutely. You know, you know. To my, to, you know, to my speaker like, and I must let the let the viewers and the callers know that I've only reached out to Ray today, so we don't know each other from a bar of soap. This is a true story, folks, that we can connect on a certain level, eh, Ray. You know, oh, and absolutely, um, you know, and it, it's just amazing. That's the beauty of riding motorcycles in New Zealand. The Kiwi spirits right there. So and, thank and you, New thank Zealand's you very much. not that big, right? New no. Zealand's pretty small, but yes, you still hardly ever get to the other end of the country. And a lot of people haven't left the North Island, and vice versa, the South Island riders. So it's been quite a blessing uh, with my work riding Kai to you know go from the top Cape Rainer all the way down to the Bluff and everywhere in between. Um, especially on my South Island tours, I love going for pork belly pie and fairly. That's another Ooh. place I like to. Now, that's have on you, another have you had a Jimmy's pie out of, uh, I think it's Palmerston? Uh, Jimmy's, yep, um, in Cromwell. Yeah, yeah, they're there, roughly yep. around Jim, there, yep. Yep, yeah, 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 Alexander, when they we do the uh, Blossom Festivals, yep. um, that's their, it's like a Big Ben pie in the North Island, but it's Jimmy's pie. Uh, their mince and cheese and mutton pie is my, oh, yeah, um, don't take the me there. Pie, it's, yeah, the mutton pie, yeah, mutton pie. Mutton, oh, oh, Geez, Ray, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm building up a bit of a fist. I'm sweating uh, as I'm talking to you. But, yes, Jimmy's Pie, it's amazing. You know, you can't go past it. I mean, it's um, down in the cuddle, you've got the I- I- ILT. You know, they only s- um, sell certain brands, like, you know. And yeah. um, that's what they said. They don't have any Irvines or any Big Ben or Ponsonby Pies, the ones we know up here in North. It's uh, their own. And, it, and it's great. You know, it's a, it's a different um, – uh, we saw New Zealand, but it is uh, governed a little bit different down there. Yeah, even their fuel costs too. So um, that's why it's probably um, a good, you know, good place to travel to. No, How um, about we head north? And mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking Topor. Oh, okay. Uh, I think now I'm just looking at Google Maps to make sure I get the right information here. Sure. Uh, Where is that? Where is that? 
Here we go. So we're in Taupo. We're on Horomatangi Street, which is just off Tongariro Street. Yes. Uh, not far from the Great Lake Centre. Mm-hmm. There's a little bakery there called Fast and Fresh. Have you oh, been there? No, there's no. There must be a, a new one there. No, I haven't. I must well, say. They've, been, they've been there a wee while. They've, they've yeah. been there long enough to get a few of those New Zealand Pie Awards. In okay. Fact. Okay. So next time, yeah. um, there was a what was there? There was a. Uh, a seafood chowder pie. There was wow. a lasagna pie. Cut it out. Oh, oh, tell you no. what. There you yeah. go. Fast and Fresh Bakery in Topo. Next fresh. time you're there. Yeah, absolutely. Horomatangi Street. Um, I'll yeah. tell you what. I'm, I'm salivating now. We've had, it, we've had <laughs> oh, such a good now? conversation about food, <laughs> oh. even though we're meant to be talking motorcycles. Yeah, sorry, um, to, sorry to yeah, the, the, the viewers and all that. <laughs> um, we're just taking it to another level here. But, hey, that's, that's the passion right there. You know, and um, if we can put our machineries and, and our food, you know, all in one basket, then so be it. You know, and, um, it's fantastic. You know, it's the company, you know, we hold. And so um, if, that's we've, what um, we're if we've triggered something for our listeners here today, yeah. how do they find you? Or your, well, your sorry, your outfit? Absolutely. So um, I'm on Facebook, guys. Okay. Um, that's Riding Kai. We have a patron here. Come and join up. Okay. If you want to send me an email, it's ridingkai at bikerider.com. Yeah, Ride um, and Kai at bikerider.com or bike on Facebook, rider, yeah. Ride and Kai. Ooh. Absolutely. Yeah. Look I think me. you've triggered me. Yeah. So uh, don't be afraid. Come and join. Follow, um, you know, follow all, all my links and, and posts. I put up recipes too for uh, menus. Uh, depending on what's happening, um, like if we're in lockdown, of course, uh, we're looking for that, that bulk menu where uh, a meal can be spread over two, three days, i.e. stews. I like a, a bit of a boil up, you know, um, pork bones and puha. You know what I'm talking about, Ray? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm hearing yeah, you. Yeah. You know, depending on what we eat and, um, you know, as a collective, you know, it just helps everybody. And, and you know, if we can um, make a meal out of uh, certain uh, limited uh, items, it's in there too. So there's a lot of uh, videos, uh, traditions, a lot of recipes, plus all our live feeds of our runs. And if you can make it, there's also timetables in there too for events. Please oh, come along, meet up, meet and greet. You know, um, we don't bite. Uh, you know, we're all passionate bike riders. Um, you don't bite people, but you might bite the pie. Wow, well, we always bite the pie, right? We always bite the <laughs> pie. You know, we don't we don't live in that type of world. We're a diverse world, Ray. Yeah. Okay, here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a mince pie. Do you put sauce on it? Oh no, no, I don't kill it, love it, Ray. Um, no, you got to have the pie. You got to taste. You know the, the 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 pastry on its own. You know, mark that. You got to taste the filling on its own. You know, you got to taste it all together. You know, maybe a bit like a wine. You know, you got to gargle, chew. I wouldn't spit, but I would swallow. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, it has its own categories, and it's really up to the receiver how they perceive it. If, if, it's, you know, if it's a good pie, of course you give it a 10 out of 10, you know, good rating. But um, I'm always searching for that, that next hit, you know, um, where some good burgers are, where the next IEP pastry or pies are, you know. I've been searching for recently, and today I actually went out to search for the best double happy. Oh, now, what's a double happy? It's bigger. It's the the double size of a sausage roll. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's um. I look on my page. I'll be putting up a review um later on tonight about what I've discovered today, and it's quite amazing. Now, uh, Barkels, that are the uh, competition um found founders of the New Zealand Pie uh, yep. Bakers Competition. Yep. They're searching for the best sausage roll and double happy. So I've added it to your categories. So it's quite good. So all these national outfits, I try and follow what they're searching for and just, just add it to riding Kai. So it keeps it all fresh, quite up-to-date, quite modern. So there's a bit of evil, bit, bit of one if they're looking for accommodation. Also, if they're traveling around the area around the Motu, it's also in there too, you know. Um, where's the best steak meal? Where's, where's the best fish and chips, you know? Is the accommodation there, you know? So it's, uh, it caters for a lot of people. I hope hopefully that's good for the listeners there, right? Yeah. I love it. Paratini, a.k.a. Slam, thank you very much for your time. I'm going to have to love you and leave you and go and get myself a pie. No problem. Car pie. Car pie, Ray Ray. Thank you for uh, having us. And riding kai whanau, riding kai. Kia ora. 
Time now to catch up with the one, the only. He's from onthrottle.co.nz. It is Matthew Day Gillick. G'day, mate. How you doing? Yeah, good, good, man. Um, already missing my uh, nice, peaceful camp sleeps. Um, <laughs> well, it's been a few days since then, and oh, it was just glorious sleeping in a bed just by myself for two whole nights straight. Of course, great. we are talking moto camping. So myself, Matt, um, Tal, and Dave from Derby, and Doug, who you might remember from uh, such trips as uh, around the South Island with Ben Wilkins, uh, joined us for a moto camping expedition over the weekend. Um, but I start from my point of view, and you can chime in with your bits when 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 we get to yours, if you like, Matt. Uh, I kicked right. things off on Friday. I meant to get away from town about three p.m. Uh, didn't get away till about four thirty on the road. Tenere seven hundred, fully packed up. Upstate Highway One stopped at Wairu about 8.15, just as the sun was setting, and then uh, into some kind of time warp, because I only had to do 50 kilometres around the mountain to the campsite, Pōkaka Mill campsite, on the uh, western side of Mount Ruapehu, but it took me till 10pm. Yeah, it was 10 past 10 when you showed up on the Tenerife, which I thought was kind of appropriate, but also really weird that it took you so long to get there. So um, I left at 4pm, got down to... Uh, Tūrangi, where I decided I was going to buy something for dinner, um, and oh, what a cracking dinner I had. It was my birthday feast. I had five sausages cooked on the camp cooker. Um, some of them were maybe uh, oh, slightly boiled in cider that I also bought at the thing. Um, bite was fully loaded up, the little rally, um, but thanks to the whole new, that um, all that money I spent at Moto SR, it just took all that extra weight with aplomb, and it actually handled really, really good. Um, so I was there at, um, I think it was 20 to 8, I was at the campsite, all set up, having my dinner, and then, um, yeah, I waited a while, and then at 10 past 9, I sort of decided, oh, it's, the guys have been a while. There's no reception here. So um, I'd better ride out to the road, which was 12 kilometres away um, from Pokaka Mill. Um, awesome campsite if you want to get the hell away from everything and just be in peace and quiet, eh? Um, and, um, yeah, I ran into Doug on the way. Our cardos all of a sudden synced up and we could hear each other, like, muttering. And we're like, oh, hey, bro, how's it going? Um yeah, then I sort of came out to the road, um, saw that you were in Waiuru and thought, oh, yeah, he'll be here shortly. And um, I went back off and started drinking cider as a duck. Uh, and then obviously 10 past 10 arrives, you arrive. And um, not long after that, so did the boys from Derby. No, oh, I think they pulled up. Uh, they were just turning the headlights of the van off as I pulled into camp. I didn't realise yeah. I was quite that close behind them. Yeah. Um, and they were took, um, like, when you go on the dock website, it says for Pukakamu, um, it's four-wheel drive access only, which, let's face it, if they could get the Derby-branded work van all the way up there, it's a load of cock. You could get a um, Toyota Prius up that road if you really wanted to. Um, and, yeah, they were they brought the van. I think we were pretty glad that they did, weren't we, um, at the end, because roll on day two and we decided we we're going to leave all our camp stuff set up, throw the valuables in the van and um, hit the trails. Yeah, it was really nice to have a, a lockable van. So, yeah, poor Kaka Mill campsite, Friday night, uh, I roll in in the pitch blackness, having just done the desert road in the pitch black with a tinted visor, uh, letting other Why vehicles... Why did you go the desert roadway as well? Well, <laughs> like, when I was sitting at home, I was looking at the map, and I it was like five kilometres difference between Wellington via Waiuru to camp as it was Wellington via Whanganui to camp. Um, and then once I got to Wairu, it was like, okay, I can turn left here and go via Aokuni, or I can carry on up the desert road, go via um, uh, the, the prison um, and, and go in that way. It was basically the same amount of kilometres. And I figured State <laughs> Highway 1 would be faster because it's straighter. But then it got <laughs> pitch black and I literally couldn't see a thing. I remember rolling up on a patch of roadworks with thick gravel and just going, this is how I die. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I can't see a thing. Um, so I stopped at uh, the intersection right on Tongarero there, um, with, on, the, on the intersection from the road that comes from, um, from the desert road through, and it intersects with the road that goes from Turangi through to National Park. And I was like, okay, I must be nearly there. And I checked the phone. I still had 
15 kilometers from there to the turnoff to camp and then realized <laughs> that I had about 15 to 20 kilometers of gravel to camp. And I went, wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's 12 kilometers from uh, as soon as you turn onto John McDonald Road, which is where Pokaka Mill campsite is on. Uh, it's 12 kilometers from there to the campsite, which is at the very end of the road. Now, one thing that I was slightly disappointed we didn't fit in, um, just as a side, is one kilometer before you get to the campsite, there is some caves where you can go have a wander in there. And we um, completely forgot to go and have a look. Yeah, I I remember um, seeing them and going, oh, I wouldn't mind checking them out. But then I thought, "Mm, I'm probably the only one that wants to look at it. And then later in the day, (laughs) we were all chatting on the Cardos, and I think it was Dave that goes, oh, those caves, I want to go check them out. I was like, yes, I do too. But then by the time we got back to camp after riding all day Saturday, we were just shattered. Let's talk about Saturday. So I woke up, box of birds, well, woke up. I'd been awake most of the night. Couple of hours sleep in the tent. Uh, made a coffee, had breakfast, had a wander around camp before any of you guys even stirred. And the sun was, it was beautiful, a beautiful camping spot, very sheltered, not a breath of wind. Um, the sun came up and started streaming down the valley over the mountains. It was uh, a really nice, picturesque spot. So if you ever get a chance to go camping in uh, Paul Cuckoo Mill campsite, highly recommend you do. Um, but everyone uh, woke up got geared up and we were on the trails or on the road by about 10 10 30 yeah i'd say about that um yeah we took our time like the um pulling into camp just before you and tal and dave was um a group of four drivers who were had all their rooftop tents and everything and we let them shuffle off beforehand so that we um didn't get stuck behind them on the trail and so we sort of cooked up some breakfast the boys went over to national park to get some fuel that they definitely didn't need for the drs um and yeah we just took our time we rode it out it's um a short ride from the entrance to john mcdonald road to uh the entrance to the 42 traverse um it's sort of just a couple of k's up state highway 47 um and yeah then it, it just got awesome like immediately like almost as soon as we sort of just left camp really we all had a blast we we're sort of going all guns blazing down the gravel road um, and we sort of mentally had to check ourselves so that we didn't um, use all our energy up before we even got to the traverse. Yeah, I was um, telling Tal because he was he was right up behind me, and then he passed me, and he was like, "Come on, we're on." And I was like, "Okay, DR six fifty versus T seven. Here we go." Uh, but that was I was saying to him, "This is the quickest I'm going to be riding all day because you're going to make me use all my energy, and then I'm just going to be a, a sad sack of grumpiness uh, for the rest of the day." But it, <laughs> that actually didn't happen. So yeah, out the um, the access road, John McDonald Road, on to the main road through to towards National Park, road. and then we hooked uh, hooked a right onto the access road that's through to the 42nd traverse and yep, that's called carpools road by the way um, carpools road if you ever want to look it up um, and then we all uh, converged on the uh the playground the car park yeah yeah we we're having great guns there having an awesome time um so yeah like i said earlier um i'd spent a gone to um moto sr and topor and got scotty brooker and um this team to redo the suspension on rosie so it's now got ktech springs in it and he worked some magic and revalved um the suspension at both ends which according to the internet you can't do but clearly it's a matter of finding someone that actually knows what they're doing and what they're talking about um so all of a sudden i went from having the most spongy suspension where i could literally just bounce on it and bottom it out to i was able to jump the bike though going by the footage i wasn't jumping it anywhere near as high as i thought i was yeah we're a couple of high or reasonably high jumps there but you were going for probably more long jumps than you um than high but the thing about your suspension and i've i've, I've actually uh, watched a couple of those jumps in slow-mo it it really soaks it up i mean there was one jump where you pretty much bottomed out but it yeah. really it the damping really just kind of grabbed you and and, and caressed you and it probably wasn't a, yeah. an abrasive kind of shock when you did bottom out it was major and so carpools road is not the nicest gravel road like i'd be hesitant to take um the family wagon down there it's got lots of potholes and everything and i remember when we first did the 42 traverse back at the end of 2020 with um, the rest of the kr team thinking oh this road's hard like the bike's really sort of struggling here and just from the minute we got onto that road it felt like the rally was just gliding over everything and it felt so much more controlled and i think that's the biggest takeaway i've got from investing in my suspension is that the bike goes from being like it was capable and fine but it's just gone next level and it's sort of 
now to the point where I can push the bike again and I can do so safely and feel like I'm in full control of it, which is just magic. Yeah, with that new Moto SR suspension, you're um you're you're gliding over the potholes and the undulations a lot more than the rest of us on our stock and old suspension were. So me on the yeah. T seven, I've got a lot of CC capacity over you. Um and and in a you know, in a drag race situation, you know, no chance. But yeah. I had to pick my line a lot more i had to um get on and off the gas a lot more to get over the undulations and the potholes and everything just to keep up with you um if i really wanted to like i'd open it and you know no no mechanical sympathy i'd go for it but in, yeah. a, in a casual riding with mates kind of situation your your suspension just really makes your bike one of the best bikes there on the day yeah well i was thinking to myself as we were after we hit the traverse we finally stopped mucking around and decided we'd actually get onto it um just how much of a difference it made because i wasn't like when we did it the first time i was barely keeping up with you and ben um you guys were just well ahead of me you had way more control over everything and i was sort of leading the ride half the time and sort of we were just going along at a nice pace and it was all hunky-dory um but man like what beautiful conditions we had when we sort of were planning this camping weekend away i was sort of looking at the forecast thinking well i hope hope there's not too much rain in the lead up i hope it's not going to be like a boggy mess and slippery as hell and um conditions on the um, 42 traverse track were actually really good for the most part weren't they yeah they were better than the last time we did it um looking at the the footage of that last big river crossing it was halfway up the axle last time we did it this time it was lower than that it was yeah um so there were a couple of big rain yeah it is surprisingly the amount of rain that the country's had um a couple of big obstacles that i was really worried about was that hill that i dropped the t7 on the first time we did it uh and then the big river crossing Uh, yeah and as it turned out they weren't the ones we had to worry about so we got onto the track we were looking for the cliff lookout which was a nice picturesque place and given we'd had people who haven't done the 40 second traverse before with us uh, we we had to go and find that big cliff lookout and check that out tal dropped his bike trying to get through uh the bridge between or the ridge between between two four-wheel drive wheel tracks uh you'll be yeah, i've got that on camera it was um yeah <laughs> i gotta do it into slow-mo i think it's just watching him go Whoa! <laughs> but he jumped back up again that's the great thing about those old drs isn't it like they sort of they can just take the abuse where if i'd done that i'd be sort of all like oh my fairings oh so yeah we stopped at the uh the lookout you can see that on the videos uh that are coming out of the next uh wee while um probably what, what uh video at onthrottle.co.nz and on youtube as well yeah youtube just youtube slash youtube.com slash onthrottle and i'll have a video well i think it's going to be at least two videos now i've got over an hour of footage to trim down into something coherent um so the first one of those will hopefully be coming out um, very soon and you'll be able to check out my side of things at motonz.com or go to youtube and search t7 adventures um that leaving the big fancy look at we got on to the main road um and we saw we caught up with our mates the four-wheel drive guys um there was one that you really liked was it a jeep grand cherokee yeah um, younger guy i think as well and you don't really see the Grand Cherokees modified so much in New Zealand, at least not from what I've seen. Everyone's sort of more into the Japanese stuff. Um, and that was a pretty cool looking little truck. Um, but yeah, they'd sort of all pulled up, what, 200 metres after the lookout and sort of they waved us down and go, oh, you guys probably want to come and have a look at this before you keep going, charging on through. Um, and so we get out and we notice it's, it's getting a bit muddier, the track all of a sudden. And then, um, yeah, we walk up to the front of the first four wheel drive and the track just drops away, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a big a big drop, and there were kind of three options: either far left, which was a, a a narrow ridge that you had to ride along, and if you if you cocked it up, you were going to fall quite a long way to your right into this four wheel drive hole. Uh, you yeah. could have gone middle of the track, which was probably a bit slippery, a little bit more pick your line, or far right and just hug the bank, the the wheel the wheel track all the way down into this bog hole and through uh and i think yeah. that uh that obstacle was unexpected for us because it wasn't the last time we did it but it was also um it was more 
it was more of a serious obstacle for four-wheel drivers than it was for the bikes. Um, it was For me, it was the way the four-wheel drivers said, hey, whoa, this is a big obstacle, kind of put the wind up me. But once I'd completed yeah. it, I went, eh, actually, it's not. Like, it's not a it serious a thing for a motorbike. to look at, not expecting it. Um, and then sort of once we'd gotten down, we're actually, oh, no, that was actually a piece of cake, uh, which um, like I was – yeah heart pumping as i sort of rolled up there and i was sort of trying to get the bike lined up and everything and one of the four-wheel drivers saw me like tap my front brakes as i was trying to get it he's like oh don't use that one and i was like yeah mate i'm going to totally use this one just this one so i can sort of make a spectacular fall um but they were really good guys and um you know appreciate them letting us go first as well because um they could have tried to negotiate that and we could have been waiting there for half an hour sort of thing. Mm, mm. And we did send you down first because you had the smallest, lightest bike. <laughs> yeah, there are disadvantages to having um, the smallest, lightest bike, but um, we got there and, um, yeah, I like to think it made it look easy and then you were right behind me um, and, um, yeah, we, we sort of got off our bikes and then watched Tal Dave and Doug come down. Doug did the um, had probably had the most nerves, I'd say, uh, just with the big heavy Africa twin. Um, and it was quite a steep, slippery, muddy slope to get down to get through that bog hole. But um, we all did it. None of us fell off, which I was quite pleased with. And um, then we were off away laughing again, weren't we? Yeah, it was quite good doing it with a group of five guys, plus having the four-wheel drivers there. If anyone really got into strife or we lost a bike upside down, there was enough um, There was enough manpower to, to get us back on track. But yeah, from that big bog hole, we carried on down the trail, probably another... Th- 10 or 15 or so minutes uh, and we come up to the big hill climb now this is is quite ingrained in my mind from last time we did it and i know you so. um it's it's in your <laughs> mind as well uh so uh, well we'll start with you because you did it first last time um you struggled to get up this hill uh, initially yeah, i struggled i think there's a lot of factors into why it was so easy this time one that the track's been groomed a couple of times since then and the four drive clubs go in and sort of sort things out but it was still a really intimidating hill to look at um the suspension i think as well because my bike wasn't just squatting on that rear shock bouncing up and down and losing the front traction um and also like just the experience like we've we had over what 14 months of riding experience with our bikes since we first did that and i think that can't be discounted um but yeah first time i did it i got maybe three quarters of the way up and the bike, the front wheel lifted up and I just jumped off. I was like, cool. Yeah. I'm not having the bike land on top of me. And yeah, we pushed it up that last quarter. Um, and yeah, this time it was sort of, we knew the sort of the tactic to use for this hill because it is slippy. It's sort of a sandy base. Um, and it was sort of, uh, yeah, get a bit of a run up, get some momentum and just go guns. <laughs> and, um, last, that, last that time we did it, there were a couple of big four wheel drive bog holes. You know, when a four wheel drive gets to an, a tricky, tricky obstacle and they just start spinning tires and digging holes. Um, so mm. last time we did it, there were a couple of big boggy holes at the bottom of the hill and you had this narrow little ridge of dirt that you had to ride along to get the traction and the speed and the run up to get up the hill. And so my issue wasn't so much getting up the hill and the front lifting up on me. It was getting the traction at the bottom of the hill to power up it. Um, yeah. I was almost disappointed that it had been so well maintained or fixed up this time <laughs> compared to last time because it was... We've been talking a- this hill up to the guys going, it's the hardest bit, it's the hardest bit. And we all went up there like a... It was a piece of cake in the end. Yeah, uh, and for me, it was the um, it was the weight of what happened last time. Uh, two attempts, l- losing a lot of energy trying to pick up the bike, and essentially someone else walking the bike up the hill for me. So this time, I'm sitting at the bottom. Good luck, everybody. I'm I'm nervous. I'm tense, and I pinned it. And then halfway up the hill, I grabbed second and carried on. I got to the top, and I was like, "Where's the hill?" <laughs> yeah it definitely seemed like it wasn't as steep um but yeah we all we all did it and we we're sort of like oh okay and yeah it was that that was that it was done and dusted and we sort of moved on good to, to exercise that, um, that, that demon though good to exercise that one and you know yeah. go yep i've done that it was a one-off that i didn't do it it's done now 
Yeah, I think it also helped that we weren't pushing a Ural sidecar with a blown clutch <laughs> up that as well um, for our energy levels. Um, and the only other yeah, major the- obstacle after that was the uh, the large r- river crossing that I mentioned before, and I was more nervous about that because I, I the the amount of rain and stuff that we'd had around the country for the two to three weeks leading up to that trip, there was there was you just didn't know whether it was going to be a very deep river crossing or a rather shallow one and it turned out to be a rather shallow one we just kind of went through it and went cool okay that's done let's carry on yeah sort of you were sitting there you got to it first and you were sort of assessing it and um yeah i sort of came up behind you and just went all right well that's the line there and i'll just charge on through it doesn't look all that deep and um turned out it wasn't Uh, again Um, small light bike i was like well let let you go first (laughs) uh for a a number of reasons as well because if we drown your bike it's easier to fix your bike than it is mine uh as we were informed uh to to fix a drowned t7 it's a um an awkward plug size you basically got to disassemble the whole bike uh crf much easier yeah definitely and um yeah we got through there and um yeah, I, honestly, I think the exit of that last, well, second to last river crossing was um, the trickiest bit. So it's sort of been dug out by the four wheel drive since we did it last time as well. And sort of, it was a bit of a mess, really. You sort of had to cross the river, pick a line, pick and commit. Up, the point, and yeah, commit to it because it was just, there was ruts and holes and everything. And you sort of just had to nip up off over that bank and you were, and back to safety sort of thing. Um, though before we got there, just just before you reached that second to last river crossing, there's a very steep, rocky downhill, which um, I definitely got my blood pumping. Yeah. Um, we're um, sort of approaching it. You were in the end come going, oh, look, tidy this up, tidy this up. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, which yeah. was sort of a bit like, It was a big, oh, it was right a big rock descent. Uh, and there were a couple of different ways you could go. There was, you know, a clearly a, an experts only shoot off to the right. But the main track kind of down this rocky embankment and then a, a sharp right at the bottom. And yeah, coming down there and realizing there were a couple of steps at the bottom was kind of the nervous thing for me. But uh, a 21 inch front wheel on the T7, uh, you've just got to kind of. Um, You've got to have faith that the 21 inch is just going to roll over those those rocks. And once I got to the bottom, I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I didn't have a problem there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I the guys on the smaller wheels. Yeah, though all of us had 21 inches. Oh, so, um, yeah, so that was fine. I think it was more the fact that you're approaching this rather steep rocky section and you can't quite see all the way down it. So you're picking your line before you really know what's in store. Um, and it was sort of a bit of like roll on, roll on. All right, I'm committed now. Let's do this. Um, which, hey, we all, again, we all successfully got across. No one fell over there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it makes you wonder why people do it from the Ofungo end to Carpools Road instead of the way Doc says you're meant to use the traverse, which is from Carpools Road to Ofungo. Um, because, yeah, those those hills are hard work <laughs> if you're going the other way, I reckon. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so from there through to the end, pretty non-eventful. Um, if we have a look at the drop tally, uh, we've got uh, the two Hondas actually in the lead with no drops. Um, I came in uh, second equal, third equal, uh, with one drop, me and uh, Dave dropped our bikes once each and tal dropped his bike twice so oh, tal gets i the, didn't hear about the second one tal, tal gets the uh the 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 prize for that one um i did actually for my drop i had quite actually looking back on it it's quite a serious one um yeah well all i heard on the intercom you were about what 15 meters ahead of me around a corner and all i hear is oh fuck. and um i come around the corner and yeah the t7's nose down in a pothole and you're off in the bushes and i was like oh this isn't great um so talk us through what happened there right like you came around the corner you picked the right hand line so um, last time we did the 40 second traverse i was um i'd used a lot of energy on that hill climb picking the bike up and trying to muscle it around uh and i probably wasn't quite as fit bike fit as i am now so by 
this point, probably three quarters of the way through the ride, I was actually feeling really good. I had a lot of energy and I was I was good to go. So I was out leading and I, I had a bit of a, a lead on the rest of you guys and I was feeling it. I was really going for it. And I come around a left-hand corner, hit the crest of, you know, a bit of a, bit of a rise and then a sharp descent. And if I had taken the left-hand track, I would have gone down the sharp descent and carried on. But the right-hand track... Um, had a sharp descent into a four-wheel drive bog hole and then another kind of rise and drop straight after that. And it was just big enough for a 21-inch wheel to go down, stop, and the rider to go over the handlebars. And that's exactly what I did. I came down that sharp descent, went, oh, crap, this is not going to be good. The front wheel literally stopped. The bike stopped where it was in its tracks. And I ended up laying across the handlebars, um... And I headbutted the tower, which has actually damaged my helmet to the point, my LS2 helmet, to the point where I, I uh, am replacing it. Yes. So you broke your visor, your tinted visor. So at least you don't have to worry about that anymore because that's busted. Um, but it definitely did its job of protecting your head. Um, but we were a bit worried about you. Sort of, with the rest of us pulled up and we sort of pulled up the T7 and sort of gave you a breather. Um and yeah, we were a little bit worried that you may have like sort of done your chest or done your shoulder because you're complaining about having a bit of a sore shoulder. Um, yeah, it was whatnot, a bit, but- a bit of whiplash, um, and I was a little bit winded from literally bars to the chest. But um, picked the bike up, had a breather, thought about life, and carried on. And and the bike was fine, and it made it all the way back to Wellington, which is really nice. <laughs> yeah, oh, you knocked out one of those little rubber rubber spaces from behind the fairing didn't you yeah uh, these things uh you can't see it because which it's is great to say medium. when you're on a podcast <laughs> um yeah the Tenere 700 has these little rubber spaces in behind the front fairings and when anyone does work on a t7 they fall out and every couple of weeks you see someone on a facebook group saying oh this fell out of my bike where does it go so i was lucky enough i dropped i lost the first one in the first week of having the bike because i installed the crash cage uh, crash bars and the second one the left hand one stayed in there until this trip it fell out in the mud but um yeah yeah um but yeah the rest of the trip along the traverse was very uneventful sort of um it got kind of rockier in places though i did hear a lot more stuff hitting the underside of the rally um and we'd been talking about sort of why i hadn't bothered to sort of invest in a bash plate at this point because factory um skid plate's fine um, and yeah, it had me really sort of thinking, oh, actually that 250 bucks for a B&B bash plate might actually be well spent. Um, just looking at it afterwards, it's got a few more scrape, scrapes and scratches in it, but it's done its job. But um, yeah, it was definitely um, fast flowing and quite enjoyable. It almost felt like a mountain bike track in some points, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, the Arbeck Motortech crash uh, skid plate on the T7 I've said it before, it sounds like a bit of a a church bell when you're riding down a trail like that. <laughs> Every time a rock flicks up and hits it, it's a gong, gong, dong, 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 <laughs> depending on how big the rock is. And uh, got to the point where some of the guys could actually hear it through the intercom. Um, yeah. So we finished yeah. up the 40-second traverse, and from here, I was actually quite sore, and I was thinking, I'm just going to go back to camp, and I'm going to chill out, and you guys can go and do Fisher's Track, um, and you know I'll catch up with you later. And so you guys- yeah, We were all actually quite naked as well. Like We'd sort of got to the end, got to the car park, and there's sort of that picnic area off to the right, looking over the rapids and everything. And we all sort of parked, and we took a photo, and then just lay down for about 10, 15 minutes, catching our breath, because we'd sort of- We'd used a fair bit of energy and we were sort of a bit tired, but we sort of, the rest of us were kind of, oh yeah, should we do fishes? Shall we just go straight back, get some beers and just chill out, enjoy the campsite? And um, yeah, we sort of decided to let you being, feeling a bit injured and everything to do your, do your own thing, like go to National Park, get some supplies and we're going to meet you back at camp. And then we sort of got 5k not even 5k up the road and we're sort of trying to work out how do we get to fisher's track and you all of a sudden came up behind us yeah so i uh, I stayed back at the um the the bridge and the car park and the picnic area and you guys left and i was like okay i'm gonna chill here for five minutes and then i'll go and then i get up and i went and i got to literally two minutes down the road and the cardo kicks in and i can hear you guys chatting i'm like "Oh, oh have you not gone that far oh no we're on the side of the road finding out where we're meant to be going okay and so I pulled over behind you when I found you, and um, I had a bit of a second wind and went, eh, I've come all this way 
I may as well suck it up. So I can't, I went and did Fisher's track with you, which um, turned out to be quite good, a lot better than last time we did it. Yeah, wasn't quite as muddy. Um, the last time we did it, there was quite a few little mud mud holes and stuff. And, yeah, mini um, mud holes were, with ruts. Yeah, the, I nearly got thrown off by a rut again, um, but yeah, managed to keep the bike upright at the end of it. Though I did end up crossed crossed up at the end of the, the um, track. Um, but yeah, just just like last time though, we got to the end of um, we we're cruising along Fisher's track and. The pace was dramatically slowing as we were sort of just getting that extra bit tired. I'd run out of water um, and all I could think of was, oh, you know, it'd be great, a beer. Um, <laughs> and So Fisher's Track, for anyone who hasn't done it, it's um, you start on this uh, gravel road and then you break off into what can only be described as a single track through a grassy ledge with a massive drop on your left and a rock wall on your right. So you've got probably a metre to a metre and a half of grassy ledge to negotiate your way up the side of this cliff and you just every time you come around a um, you know a, a corner you just get these massive views of scenery of mountains and a giant valley and you wind yourself wind your way all the way to the top of the hill and then you get out onto a gravel road you wind your way down that gravel road and you're in national park uh so there are again uh, videos up at on throttle.co.nz and um motonz.com and those youtube channels as well but uh i really enjoyed the wee the wee doddle in first gear all the way up that grass and then uh, i got to the gravel road and that was the bit i was really not looking forward to because last time we did it it was all off camber corners and it was yeah. uh, loose and every time you come to like a right hander you feel like you, you're going to run off the road on the left but what i ended up doing was um practicing something that i've heard chris birch talk about is waiting the outside peg and what it allowed me to do was say it was a right hander i'm putting all my weight on the left hand peg and then blipping the throttle and it was bringing the rear out it was stepping the rear out and kind of drifting around the corner which although fun and looked great um also meant that i wasn't gonna run off on the outside of the corner so i was having fun just drifting down this hill low speed first and second gear corners um and just just drifting and tal was behind me going so i said to him is it does this actually look impressive or is it just me you know when you're on the bike and it feels like you're drifting out you know you're, you're full 90 degrees but you're really not he was like yeah you know you, you're you're hanging that rear end out quite a bit there it looks quite impressive i was like yes <laughs> little wins yeah i was pretty naked at that point and i was just poodling down the hill just going all right got to get to the service station got to get some hydration um which basically yeah got there bought a couple of cans of e sculled one sculled a bottle of water and um yeah um then we started looking for uh other kinds of hydration um and headed back to camp so it was pretty much a, a thorough all-round day like we it got was. back to camp after what four o'clock it would have been yeah four-ish mm-hmm. and then um we just kind of sat around till about midnight yarning, which uh, which it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, no better way to spend a um, a Saturday evening in the bush, I reckon. Uh, I would have liked to have recorded more podcast audio. We were recording the entire trip with the Cardo Pack Talk Bolds, um, but it corrupted on me, which is uh, very disappointing, which is why we're having this chat now. But by that time, you know, we got back to camp, we were yarning, and usually I'd pull out a camera, pull out an audio recorder and do a bit more content. Yeah. I just couldn't be bothered. I was just enjoying the yeah. yarn, sitting around um, and shooting the shit. Yeah, oh, it was fantastic. And that's exactly sort of what I wanted when I started planning the weekend because, like, it was my birthday weekend. I had two days to get away from the kids and the family and all that kind of stuff. And I think the thing I liked the most about this weekend, apart from the brilliant riding, was the fact that we were in a campsite with no no internet, so the phones weren't being used, they were off in our bags or whatever, and we were just talking like human beings. Um, and, yeah, we just sat around. Um, what did we have? We had, like, a, a plastic tub, um, like a storage bin, and I'd stuck my um, charge pack that has an LED light built in on top of it, and that was sort of our pretend campfires. We were sitting around there and just talking drinking um and then yeah we just climbed into bed and woke up in the morning which and then, um, yeah we didn't actually we saw a couple of showers both nights but um nothing serious it was uh mostly dry and yeah sunday woke up packed up said goodbyes and i was off down the road home nothing really to speak of it was a state highway ride a little bit of rain to balls and then it was a nice sunny afternoon i made it home about 3 p.m 
Yeah, I did a similar thing. Um, I chucked on my raincoat just because it was, we were having those showers and I purposely not packed any of the liners for my motor dry suit. I was like, because they're just so bulky. Um, so I was like, I'll just take the raincoat and I'll wear that home. And yeah, um, only got one shower really. Um, got home, um, I'd filled up at National Park um, on Saturday afternoon when we were grabbing um, supplies. I managed to get all the way home on one tank of gas, um, which I felt was very um, brave of me. Um, 258 kilometres all up since refuelling, and um, I've got no idea how much fuel's left in the rally, but I'm banking it's not much. Uh, fuel light came on in T-Rail and, um, yeah, rode the rest of the way going, oh, I hope I've got enough gas. Um, so yeah, that was, that was another thing to sort of be proud of, um, pushing it out, um, and yeah, getting a, nearly a new record for distance traveled on the rally in one tank. So there you go. That was our, uh, moto camping expedition and our, uh, 40 second traverse, second 40 second traverse and Fisher's track, uh, trip. Happy birthday, Matt. Thank you, mate. It was a great way to spend my birthday hanging out with you and the boys. I guess we, uh, now need to start planning our next trip and, uh, giving ourselves something in the calendar to look forward to. Definitely. I've got an Id- a fair idea of what I want to do, um, but um, it would be a bit of a fair hike for you. Um, but yeah, we've got to get what another another long weekend sort of thing, another couple of nights away from uh, the world, and um, yeah, go on another fun mission. I guess all the details will be up at uh, onthrottle.co.nz and motonz.com. Thanks for sticking with us. It's been a long one. I apologise for going a bit over time, but that's all good. It's a bonus. We'll call it bonus bonus content, eh? This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray here, and thank you very much for joining me throughout this podcast. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and share this podcast with a riding buddy of yours. Also, remember to check out motonz.com for the latest in news and uh, more on all of these stories, plus a whole lot of photos as well. And kiwirider.co.nz is the latest magazine up there, free for you to read, enjoy, download and all of that jazz. Plus Matt's website on throttle.co.nz. If you want to get hold of me, email me podcast at kiwirider.co.nz or um, go on YouTube and search out T7 Adventures. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray here and thank you very much for joining me. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast was brought to you by Shiny Side Up. Join the Shiny Side Up team for a very special live stream event on the 10th of April for a chance to win your share of over $8,000 worth of prizes. We'll be joined by some awesome local and international motorcycling experts such as Chaotic Blonde, Sam McCafferty, Andrew Stroud, Kevin Williams, Dr. Chris Huron, Jay Reeve and Charlie Borman. Shiny Side Up Online, April 10th, 2022. Proudly brought to you by Ride Forever, ACC, Waka Kotahi New Zealand Transport Agency and MSAC. For more information, check out the Shiny Side Up Facebook page or shinysideup.co.nz. And thanks for supporting Kiwi Rider Podcast.